Today's podcast is brought to you by my very own Fred Motivates shop. Now, what even is that? Well, I'll let you know. I am unbelievably passionate about spreading the importance of acknowledgement and acceptance to build school community and reduce depression and bullying and the things that surround those subjects. Now, if you want to join that movement, you can just head to fredmotivates.com slash shop and you can purchase your very own Acknowledge Someone t-shirt, which is going to spread that message of the importance of acknowledgement. It's going to remind people that just acknowledging someone can change someone's day around and possibly even change their entire life. It's so important. And right now, if you use the code TEACHERRECHARGE at checkout, and get 10% off your entire order. That's teacher recharge at checkout at fredmotivates.com slash shop for 10% off your entire order. My name's Fred Kep. I'm the host of the Teacher Recharge podcast. And for the last four or five weeks, there's been a goose outside of my apartment here. And it's been a saga. We'll get to it here in a sec. Anyways, let's get this show rolling. Recharge listeners, welcome back to another edition of the Teacher Recharge Podcast, the only podcast on the internet hosted by me, Fred Cap. As just mentioned, it is Canadian goose nesting season, and there is a goose right outside my door. And I am telling you, first of all, it doesn't like me all that much. It's uh, very focused on guarding its nest, which is respectable doesn't like me but it really doesn't like my dog (laughs) probably tried to kill my dog a hundred times at this point so much so that I take a little hockey stick out and I've had to utilize that to divert its path knocking in in the chest bone a little bit just pushing it to the side all humane not hurting it no animals were hurt but anyways today we have a fantastic guest her name is Christina also known as the daring English teacher she's a full-time high school English teacher wife and mother she has more than a decade of teaching experience and she focuses on providing engaging robust and differentiated learning experiences to her students and the educational community she has experience teaching English to all high school grade levels including honors inclusion and ESL classes She was fantastic in this interview, and you are going to enjoy this. She talks about joining her students where they're at, and she talked about her failure. I mean, just all this stuff. You know what? Enough about it, though. You'll just hear it. Why not just do it? All right, sweet. Here is the interview. Enjoy. Hello, Teacher Recharge listeners. Welcome back to another edition of the Teacher Recharge podcast. Today, we have another guest for you coming to us from a ways away as far as where I'm located, but she is still in America. 
It is Christina, aka the Daring English Teacher. How in the heck are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? You know, I am doing fantastic. It has been pretty crazy here in Kansas the last couple of weeks as far as winter doesn't want to go away, but summer wants to come here. I'm not really sure how it is where you're at, but today is one of the days where summer won the battle. You are in a high school English teacher, yes? Yes, high school. This year I have sophomores and juniors. Awesome. So how, first of all, just tell us a little bit because you have a unique approach to the way you do things and stuff. So let's just start off with that. Tell us a little bit about how you do things and what kind of makes you unique. All right. Well, one thing that I always tell my parents when they first come in at back to school night is I tell my parents that their students and their kids are going to have enough room and rope so that they'll fail. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that failure is really, really important in uh, being successful. But that when their students do fail, I'm going to be right there to pull them back up. And so in my classroom, I really try to focus on being prepared, monitoring themselves so that they are able to keep track of all their assignments, focus on their time management and stuff like that. And almost kind of like mimic a college atmosphere where they've got some deadlines that are kind of in the future and they have to know about them and they miss them. They'll have a little bit of time to make it up, but not so much. Mm -hmm. That way they kind of can feel what it's like to have that panic or that failure. But then when that happens, I'm right there pulling them up. Yeah. Already starting off the interview with some like hard wisdom facts, the idea that failure, that actually is one of the questions I'll ask here in just a bit. You know, I run into that with coaching soccer is that there are times in a game where I will literally watch my team or in a practice, especially I will literally let my team fail before I make any coaching points or anything because it is so important to experience that. And I love that you're doing that even at the high school level. It's Mm -hmm. so important. We never stop learning. We never stop learning. You're with sophomores and juniors in English classes. I have seen a a huge social media presence there. That's fantastic. Let me ask you though, it's Monday. You obviously have a lot of energy. You have a unique perspective on how you're educating your students and stuff. How do you make sure you hit Monday with as much energy as possible and you're ready for the week? Are there any rituals or are there any traditions you're doing over the weekend? Is there any schedule that you like to keep? How is it going? Yeah, well, first I should probably start with, I'm one of those really annoying morning persons. And so (laughs) I wake up and I'm ready to go. Sometimes I wake up with my alarm and I greet my kids first period and I'm like, happy Monday, welcome to class. And it's just, you can tell way too much, way too much excitement for them. But so some of my rituals is I really make sure that Sunday, Sunday is like my family fun day with my kids. And so I usually have a spin class that I go to and I take my spin class and then it's just Sunday is family time. And so actually earlier today, it's really warm and sunny outside. And so we were swimming and Mm -hmm. so swimming at the kids. Swimming? Swimming. Oh my gosh. There's Oh, there's places in America where you can swim right now. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, sometimes (laughs) in January we can swim. There's usually one week in January where it's like 75 and sunny. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) I need, I know where I'm moving next. Yeah. But so just every Sunday spin class, family fun day, and then it's all the laundry, all the cleaning. I I have two kids at seven and four. And so it's packing lunches for the week and just really getting ready. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that I really focus on doing is making sure that my 
my lessons for the whole week are planned mm-hmm. the week before. That way Friday hits, I know I'm planned, I can enjoy my weekend, and I'm ready to go when Monday is here. Yeah. It's very interesting just the different kind of styles people have and what kind of keeps you going. It's a very unique thing, but I feel like it's good. It's obvious that you found a way that definitely, definitely works for you. It seems like you're a really organized person, which probably helps, especially in an English class. Yes. You know what? My, uh, my teaching life is very organized. Yes. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many days before or how many days of the week before school that I cannot find my keys or yeah. <laughs> I lost my school keys. I can't find my bag. Just school and teaching is organized, but at home sometimes it's kind of chaotic. Yeah, no, definitely. I aim into that. Well, actually, no, I feel like everything in my life is chaotic, but I'll get that. That's, that is, that would be an improvement for me. So maybe I can learn some stuff from this interview. Before we go any further, how long have you been in education? For 10 years. For 10 years. Wow. So lots of experience to, to grapple in this next question. But what is something that you feel like you may have you may have failed at? And how did you respond to that failure? What was your next step? All right. So uh, hands down, my biggest failure in education came during a long-term sub-position. And it was for a Read 180 class. And so that's going to be freshmen who are below grade level. Mm-hmm. and I severely underestimated just how below grade level these kids were. Every day it was like, okay, here's our assignment. Let's write, let's read. And it was just classroom management issues, and it was a lot of problems. And then one day I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try something different. And since it was a long-term sub position, I still wasn't fully credentials. I was working on my credential. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote like a sentence frames up on the board with fill in the blanks, and we read together the article And then we worked through the sentence frames and every single kid was working. And it was this big aha moment because it was my first experience with students who were truly below grade level. So these are ninth graders at like a third and fourth and fifth grade reading level. Mm -hmm. And so their writing was also at the same. And most of those students were also EL students. And that was just a big aha moment because it was weeks of this awful classroom management where I just couldn't get the kids focused and engaged and It was because I wasn't preparing lessons for them. I wasn't meeting their needs. And so once I found out what their needs were, and once I was able to really focus on what they needed and give them instruction designed specifically for them, Mm -hmm. things turned around. Yeah. Wow. So you were able to take a step back, kind of look at at the individuals that you were teaching, not at necessarily what the curriculum or what people were telling you to teach them, Mm -hmm. and then you personalize them. That is so... So cool. One thing that that kind of made me think of, you know, 10 years uh, of experience. So that's a lot. Why, why are you called, why do you call yourself the daring English teacher? What, what is, what's up with that name? All right. So when I was a kid, I loved reading. And so I'd read Goosebumps and Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and Boxcar Children and Baby Stars Club and just all of the series that were out in the 90s. Yeah. And I loved escaping into Mm -hmm. these fictional worlds where these kids would go on daring adventures. And so that's where the word daring for English teacher comes from, because I really hope I can create an environment where my students can be fully immersed in these fictional worlds where they can go on these daring adventures with the kids. So when we read Lord of the Flies, Mm -hmm. I want them to be on that island with Ralph and Piggy. 
Yeah. Whoa. I want to be in your class. That would just be super cool. Like I wish every teacher kind of, we, I was actually talking about this a, a couple of episodes back. I was talking with a teacher who taught elementary kids and, but it was like really like younger students. And, and the way she tells stories is super animated, just like she becomes the bear or she becomes the tie. And it's just crazy. Those kids interact with that and they get immersed in that environment. And what's interesting is we kind of talked about how by her, you know, showing that on her social media and stuff like that, she's actually giving other teachers permission to immerse themselves in in that as well. And that it's okay for people that when you get older and, and you're in high school in today's world, it's not okay to show you yourself like, oh, I'm immersed in this. Like I, I'm all in. It's, it's unfortunately it's turned into a culture of like, oh, well, that's not cool. Like school isn't cool. I'm too cool for that. But to have a teacher that is all in and just leads by example. Oh, that is so refreshing. And it's so cool to hear that you're doing that. And it's obviously working. Um, we are actually about at the halfway point here. So we're going to go ahead, take a very quick break and we will be right back with story time. For you, the listeners of the Teacher Recharge podcast, Audible is offering a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download to give you the chance to check out their service. Now, whenever I have a guest on the show, I ask them for a book recommendation. So, Christine, what is your book recommendation? My book recommendation is going to be one that you can read with your students. It's going to be Speak by Laurie Hall Anderson. It's such an important story, especially in today's culture and climate, and it's a story that I I feel a lot of students can feel empowered reading and then also know that they're not entirely alone if they're experiencing something similar. Awesome. So if you would like to download your free copy of Speak, go ahead and go to audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge for that free audiobook download and free 30-day trial. Once again, that is audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge. Back to the show. are back with the daring English teacher herself. Oh my goodness. It's so exciting. What a day. And it is also the most exciting part of the entire episode. If you've never listened to the Teacher Recharge podcast, this is the part of the show called Story Time. And basically, this is the part of the show where I shut up, let the guests do the talking, and let them tell any story that they want. It could be happy. It could be sad. It could be about their a conspiracy theory. I don't really care, whatever. It could be anything. I just give the guests the floor. So, Christina, it is story time. You have the floor. Okay, so my story for today is actually my most embarrassing teacher moment. So it happened my very first year of teaching, which just you know adds on to the embarrassment because you're already trying to put everything together. And yeah, it was awful. So when I did my student teaching, I did my student teaching at a school that had an overhead LCD projector that was connected to a computer. But when I got my first teaching assignment, and mind you, this is 10 years ago, the school didn't have that much technology and we did not have an overhead projector that was connected to the computer. And so I had to use one of those old fashioned light bulb projectors with the Visa V markers, Mm -hmm. like the kind that teachers write on. 
Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that just says a lot right there. And school started super early. It started at seven. And being a first year teacher, I like to be there probably like by 640. So I was leaving my house by 615 every morning just so I could go and write handwrite on the transparency films to be projected. Mm-hmm. And then once I found out that you could actually run those to the printer, that changed everything. Yeah. But so uh, I had to leave super early and I would just eat my breakfast at school in the morning before first period started. And this one particular day I'm walking around and my kids are just so squirrely. Now they're freshmen and freshmen are squirrely to begin with, but yeah. they're so chattery. Now this is also 10 years ago, the iPhone was brand new. So kids didn't have smartphones yeah. in the classroom yet. And so the way that they communicated with one another was like old fashioned passing notes. And I noticed there's like a lot of note passing. And whenever I turn around to write on the board, the kids are kind of like snickering a little bit. There's some like muted laughter and I'm just like, what's going on? And that lasts all first period. And I turned around like, what's going on? What's nothing dead silence. That was first period. Second period, the same thing happens. I'm starting to get like kind of paranoid a little bit because I'm wondering what is going on. <laughs> so then finally at the very end of third period, so I've already seen almost a hundred kids by now. Mm-hmm. One of my students at the very end of third period is like, oh, come here, miss, miss. And she motions me over and she tells me, you have something on your bum. And I was wearing khaki pants that day. And I sat on this big old chocolate chip. And it was in a very, very unfortunate spot (laughs) on my rear end. Oh, no. And so luckily, my prep period was like the class right after that. So I was able to go to the restroom and like get my pants with water and try and scrub this chocolate chip off. And I didn't have a sweater to tie around my waist. And then I'm like trying to air dry and like use the hand dryer to get my pants dried and it didn't really come out and so for the rest of the day I kind of said good morning class just to let you know I accidentally sat on a chocolate chip yes I know it's there we're gonna deal with it (laughs) and you know I really think that this situation has completely scarred me because whenever there's like muted laughter or snickering or laughing I get a little paranoid and I'm really bad at this just like this past week I sat on a stamp on my desk because I lean up against my desk a lot when I'm oh, reading. Okay. <laughs> I sat up against a stamp and I stamped my white sweater. Oh no. And then I sat on my desk and I sat on a post-it note. My students this year though are very good at letting me know when I when I accidentally do that. Yeah. That is so funny. My problem is I have a drinking problem. So and when I say a drinking problem, I mean I have a water bottle and I'll miss my mouth. <sighs> Every once in a while. So it'll just go all over my shirt. And it's like, oh, sorry, it's a drinking problem again. My fault. Oh, it's so bad. That is so funny, though. The struggle is real when it comes to that, especially with high schoolers. Because, oh, I feel like high schoolers especially, I feel like with littler kids, when they're talking, they talk too loud. So you can normally tell, like, oh, that's what they're snickering around. But high schoolers, they're like, they have like sign language that they talk to each other with. And it's like, what are you talking about right now? I totally understand that. That is so funny. So we actually have a couple more minutes here. So I'd like to ask a couple questions just to end. And these are actually questions that I normally don't get to ask on the show. So this is pretty cool. We've been scooting through this interview at a crazy pace. So you're teaching high schoolers and that is a really important, I mean, every part of life is obviously really important, but as far as transitions go, they're getting closer to college. They're getting closer to, to getting into 
you know, the rest of their life. What are some things that you look to teach that help them not only in English, but outside of English as well? There's a couple ways that I do that. One way is that I like to do a lot of group work, but the group work isn't necessarily, okay, go find your groups or go find your friends. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll partner them up and say, this is your topic. This is your group get your work done. And that kind of just emulates, you know, in life, you're going to have to work with people that you might not like, people that might not pull their weight, figure it out. You have time in class to do it. And then another thing is last year I taught seniors. And so last year we put a lot of emphasis on researching careers. What kind of education are you going to need? What kind of background are you going to need? What kind of interview skills are you going to need? Uh, I had my students write a resume. We had mock interviews, speed interviews, And then another big thing I like to teach right in the very beginning of the school year is email etiquette Mm -hmm. because I would open my emails and it'd be like, when are you grading this? I was like, oh, hi, student. How are you doing? (laughs) I was just wondering about this assignment that we did yesterday. (laughs) When are you going to grade? So just going over things that they're going to use in real life. And because I know, I know that every single one of my high school students isn't going to college especially to college to be a literature major. That's just yeah. not the case. And yeah. so I try to make it as applicable to real life, you know, saying you're going to have to be able to sit down and read and understand some pretty complex text. And so giving them time to do that and then regrouping just to make sure that they can check and see that they understood it and stuff like that. It's obvious that that's a really big part of how you teach is you're really wanting to show them real life experiences. You mentioned that at the very beginning, like you're wanting them to fail so that I mean, you're wanting that. Oh, that's that came out wrong. You're wanting them to experience that stress and that failure uh, a little bit, so that hey, yeah, you can you can bring them up, but then also like they can experience that and know what that feels like, and that's so important in that learning thing. But that's so important in real life too. Like, I mean, like out of out of high school, out of college. So it's obvious that that's such a big part of how you teach, which is fantastic. But the the final thing I wanted to ask you is so we learned what you're doing before a Monday so let's just say and this is actually the first time I've ever asked this on this podcast but I've always wanted to ask this let's say you get to class on a Monday and you are pumped you are ready to go but that first period class for whatever reason is not with you as far as like the energy is and stuff how do you build that up so that you can grow throughout the day, so that you can keep going? Because it is really hard if students aren't already on that level that like to kind of meet you there. How do you get them pumped up? You know, sometimes, sometimes you can't. You just can't get them pumped up. I mean, they're teenagers. Their biological clock doesn't really have them waking up super early. When, when school starts at 7.30 and teenagers are still sleepy until 8, 8.30, sometimes you just kind of like got to feel your class out. And if you've got mm-hmm. a class that isn't super excited to be there or they're just, they're there, they're listening, they're actively taking in all of the information, but they're not giving you all the energy back. You can't really force them to do that. Right. And so it's really just getting to know your students. So actually right now, my fourth period class, they're a really quiet class. Mm-hmm. They're a strong class. They're a smart class. They just, for them, they just kind of like sit back and take it all in. And it's kind of just knowing your class. Right. And so I'll try to be a little bit extra energized for them to try to see it. But sometimes with teenagers, it's just, it's not going to happen. And you have to kind of just know it's not Mm -hmm. going to happen. 
And that's so different from continuing with a lesson that's falling apart. If it's a lesson that's falling apart, you got to quickly jump ship and divert it and change it. But if it's just the engagement and the excitement, especially because it's the weekend, they were up late, they're tired. (laughs) If you can tell that they're mentally engaged, if you can tell that they're focused and they're doing their work, I I feel that that's perfectly fine, especially because 7 a.m. is early. Yeah. One of the things you really said there that I think really kicked off is is the difference between it being a bad lesson and being <laughs> just a low energy class at that moment. Because I, I really do. I, I feel you on that. There is a big difference there, isn't there? Because if it's a if it's a low energy class, what I hear you saying is you're just gonna meet them where they are. Exactly. You're gonna be real. And and that that is especially in the high school realm, that's awesome. That's cool that you are available to do that and you don't always have to be like, this is where I'm at. You have to match my level. Sometimes <laughs> I do that as far as coaching soccer goes, but that's, uh, that's soccer. That's a different story, you know, like, but no, that's really awesome. I think that builds rapport with your students, obviously, as well. With that said, we are about out of time now. So if people want to follow your success in all the stuff you're doing, where can they do that? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at the Daring English Teacher, and then also I have a blog that I uh, publish new content weekly. It's the DaringEnglishTeacher.com. Alrighty, and we will have links to all of that in the description. You better believe it. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a wonderful episode. I really, really appreciate it. As do all the listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're almost at the end of the show, but first, the weekly challenge. Every week, I give you a challenge to take into the week to help you make the biggest impact possible. Christina talked about meeting her students where they were, whether that's on their energy level or whether it's on their comprehension level. Where are your students at and what do they need you to do to help you make the biggest impact on their learning. That's what I want you to focus on. Let me know how it goes. If you need any support, any help, you can contact Christina. You could contact me, teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about your journey. And if you or someone you know would be perfect for this podcast, I'd love to hear from you as well. Just email me at that same email, teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, don't forget to check out that fredmotivates.com store and purchase your very own Acknowledge Someone tea that's going to show your students that message that acknowledging someone can make a difference. And don't forget the deal that I got going for you. Use the code TEACHERRECHARGE at checkout to receive 10% off your entire order. Thank you for listening this week. Go out, make an impact, and until next week, much love. Get up, get up.